and welcome to another episode of Christ in Context, a podcast dedicated to seeing Christ in all of Scripture and using all of Scripture to filter all of life. My name is Kevin, your host, and we are proud members of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Welcome to the show. Hello, and welcome to episode 18 of Christ in Context. I just wanted to welcome you to the show. Um, We've got a little bit of a shorter episode than normal. Um, I didn't get to post last week because it's midterms at my university, and so I was just super, super swamped with papers and other stuff I had to get done. So um, we're back. We're going to keep, I'm at least I'm going to keep trying to put stuff out um, as the semester continues, but just know that as finals comes up around Thanksgiving, um, there's a high likelihood that I probably won't post for, you know, one of those weeks as I'm doing my finals because I got like a couple big papers and even more smaller papers. So it's just going to be a lot, a lot of research and writing and stuff. So all of that being said, um, I just wanted to thank everyone who listens because we are currently at over 2,700 plays, which is absolutely phenomenal. I never would have thought that even by episode 18 that I, it would have been 2,700 plays, but you guys are all awesome, so thank you for listening. Um, I'm thinking of probably trying to do like a small giveaway or something once I finish out the semester and I can kind of put some more time into, um, you know, arranging a giveaway and all that. So uh, if you've got ideas, uh, let me know. Um, additionally, I also wanted to mention something. I got super excited <laughs> because I thought that I finally got um, an email from a listener. And I definitely did not. But um, initially it was um, an email and it was just a subject that said, can I talk to you please? And I was like, oh, I don't know what this is, but maybe it'll be something kind of sweet. And then uh, I think two days later, from a different email which i don't know how that works it was a different email address that hopped in here and sent me this really long email pretending to be gina reinhardt who is an australian oil something or other uh i guess she owns a ton of oil reserves in australia and so the whole scam was give me your information so that i can give so that i can send you a couple million dollars for your charity or whatever. And it was funny. It was also sad because I thought I finally had an email, but I didn't. So anyways, um, besides false hope, I have real hope. Uh, good, good transition. Um, I am officially accepted to Mid-America Reformed Seminary which is super exciting because I am finishing up my last year um, in Bible college, pretty much. So once I finish that in May, I'm going to, me and my wife are going to move. We don't quite know where, but we'll be moving closer to Dyer, Indiana, and I'll be attending Mid-America for three years, and I'll be doing a Master's in Divinity. Super, super exciting stuff. Um, Before we get started in the 
actual passage that we're going to be studying to continue our Zechariah series, I wanted to throw out some encouragement, um, just as I've been thinking about, um, like I'm, I'm currently in a Wesleyan holiness theology class and it's really interesting being a reformed student and being at a Wesleyan school and hearing the Wesleyan perspective. Um, and as I've kind of like, we started talking about predestination and all of the Calvinists in the class were super, super cagey and it was, it was wonderful. It was, it was really funny. Um, but you know, it, it made me and the other Calvinist students think about, um, like, what do we actually believe about predestination? How do we articulate this in the most precise way? Um, and one thing that I had thought of as I was kind of just like pondering, um, I was reminded of Romans eight thirty-eight and 39, where Paul says that he is convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And I've thought about this. Um, and I think this is a pretty popular verse to get quoted, especially with comfort, uh, just that like, you know, there's nothing that can separate you from God's love, but I was just thinking of the depth and the power of this verse, especially in light of the doctrine of election, that if God has elected a group of people, then there is so much comfort that we can take that there is nothing, not even our own, even if we're going through a time of temporary unbelief or um, doubt, our assurance does not reside in ourselves, but our assurance resides in the faithful love of Christ. And so I just wanted to share that. Um, it's something that's been really encouraging to me the past couple of days as I've been thinking about this, and I just wanted to share it. Um, hopefully it's encouraging to you. I know times are crazy, super stressful with um, the American election coming up. And uh, also, um, I said American election because I realized that I've got a lot of listeners from all around the world. Um, I'm going to pull up where the these listeners are from because it, it just blows my mind that there's actually people that aren't just from... Um, some of my friends. Part of this is because of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Um, so let's see if I can pull this up. Okay. So 90% of the listeners are from the US, but we've also got listeners from Canada, Australia, the UK, Colombia, Ireland, Indonesia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Latvia, Brazil, Germany, Netherlands, India, New Zealand, Finland, Ghana, South Africa, Singapore, Republic of Moldova, and Fiji. That's a new one. I haven't seen that since I last checked. But um, in a lot of those, it says like less than 1%. So I'm assuming it's like one person per country, maybe two people per country. But it's still super humbling that there's people from all around the world who have listened at least once. Um, so I'm going to try to just make things friendly for people who aren't from the States. Um, as I go on, there's going to be some stuff about measurements. And so, uh, I'm going to talk about it in feet as well as, uh, like Imperial measurement and metrics. Um, just cause I thought, I 
super, super cool, super humbling. Uh, I never would have thought there'd be people from across the world listening to me talk about the Bible. But without further ado, we are in Zechariah, finally in chapter 5, and there's two visions in chapter 5. And so we're only going to go through the first vision. It's four verses, so um, it's a really cool and hopeful um, short little um, vision that Zechariah has and that he describes. And then next week we'll finish out chapter five. So this is what uh, verses one through four of Zechariah five say. Then I lifted up my eyes again and looked and behold, there was a flying scroll. And he said to me, what do you see? And I answered, I see a flying scroll. Its length is 20 cubits and it's width 10 cubits. Then he said to me, this is the curse that is going forth over the face of the whole land. Surely everyone who steals will be purged away according to the writing on one side, and everyone who swears will be purged away according to the writing on the other side. I will make it go forth, declares the Lord of hosts, and it will enter the house of the thief and the house of the one who swears falsely by my name, and it will spend the night within that house and consume it with its timber and stones. So this is number six of eight night visions. And as I mentioned in the last uh, Zechariah study, which was two weeks ago, that as we start to go through from five to eight of these visions, um, numbers five through eight, they start to parallel um, verses one through uh, four. Not so much in the actual content of like what Zechariah is seeing, but in the... um, quality of what uh, the purpose of the message is. And so um, we'll get into that towards the end. I just want to say a couple things about each of these verses. Um, Verses one and two specifically say, then I lifted up my eyes again and looked and behold, there was a flying scroll. And he said to me, what do you see? I answered, I see a flying scroll. (laughs) right? That's a proper answer. Uh, so Zechariah is again awakened or he, he looks up and gets this other vision and there's this scroll. <laughs> and so the angel says, what do you see? Zechariah says, I see a scroll cause that's what he sees. Uh, and then he describes what it looks like. He says, it's, uh, it's not just, it's not just any scroll. It's flying, which is really important because, um, at least my imagination is that this flying scroll is not like it's not a scroll with wings. It's I'm thinking of it as kind of like a piece of paper that gets, you know, caught in the wind and starts to like just fly through the wind or um maybe like a a flag without the pole um or some type, you know, some type of piece of paper that's just floating through the wind. It's flapping in the air kind of uncontrolled but um going all across the sky and so it's a a very uh powerful and like uh i i want to say like attractive vision like it, it grabs your attention and so he describes it as its length being 20 cubits and its width being 10 cubits and so for those of you who don't do your measurements in cubits, I don't know why you wouldn't do your measurements in cubits. That would be 30 feet long, 
by 15 feet wide or 15 feet tall or nine meters long by about just over four and a half meters wide or tall. And I say or tall because it dep- I guess if you picture, like if you look up in the sky and you picture a scroll, like I don't picture it as a width. I pi- well, huh, that's interesting. Now I'm thinking about it differently. It could be, I guess, if it's 30 feet long, like it's stretching up really long and it's got a, a really small width. I was thinking of it as like being 30 feet long, like across the sky and then just being like, 15 feet tall, but I guess it could go either way. Um, the point is that it's really long and really wide. It's this massive, massive scroll, uh, like massive. And so then at the response to Zechariah from the angel is, this is the curse that is going forth over the face of the whole land. And what's interesting here is that in most, most of these visions, we've seen uh, Zechariah, you know, tell the angel what it is. And then the angel says like, don't you know what this means? And so here, instead of asking that question, the angel just starts to explain. Um, And he just says, this is the curse that is going forth over the face of the whole land. Surely everyone who steals will be purged away according to the writing on one side, and everyone who swears will be purged away according to the writing on the other side. And so this scroll is not just any other scroll. It doesn't just contain some random writing. Um, it, It was really common, obviously, for scrolls to be what carried any kind of message. And so this scroll contains a particular message. And we can tell that it is probably, actually, I'm going to say it's definitely representative of the two tables of the law because of some clues within the context. So the first context clue is the mention of swearing and the mention of stealing. So the mention of stealing refers to the Eighth Commandment which is in the middle of the second table. So it's just kind of, I wouldn't say that it wraps up by any means. It doesn't um, like summarize the whole second table of the law, but it does, uh, it's an important part of it. And so then swearing, which we would think of that and we might think like, uh, you know, what, what commandment does that have to do with? Because it doesn't exactly have to do with swearing, like using the Lord's name in vain, um, or, um, maybe like bearing false witness, but not exactly. Um, but as I said, this is going to refer to the two tables of the law. And the reason why I say it's the two tables of the law is later on, we'll see a reference to swearing falsely by my name. And so there's a further clarification about what, what it means to swear. Um, and so this, I would say is a representation of the third commandment. And so the third commandment is the first table of the law. So we've got both tables, one on each side of this scroll, 
which is essentially the whole law. Um, it's interesting that it's the middle commandment of both tables. I'm not particularly sure why it is the middle commandment, but it it is what it is. It's what Zechariah sees. It's what he hears. And so the uh, if we also remember the law, like the the mention of the purging away is in reference to like the consequences of breaking the law. And so there's this really full lengthy list found in Deuteronomy chapter 28, where God explains through Moses all of the uh, blessings that the ethnic people of Israel would receive if they were to fulfill the law and all of the curses that they would receive if they were um, to break the law. And so um, to purge the people away and yeah, to purge the people away according to what is written would be to bring curses back on the head of the people who have broken the law of God. And so the Lord then steps in and clarifies in verse four. And he says, I will make it go forth declares the Lord of hosts. And this is, I believe it's spoken through the angel, um, who's bringing this message to Zechariah. So, uh, the angel says on behalf of the Lord, I will make it go forth and it will enter the house of the thief and the house of the one who swears falsely by my name. So this scroll is not just going to stay in the air. It's not just going to continue to flap around and wander all about, but it has a purpose of going through the sky. It is seeking out specific people who have sworn, swore, sworn, swore falsely by the name of the Lord and who, uh, who have stolen the house of the thief, the house of the one who swears falsely. And so it will follow them and it will spend the night within the house and consume it with its timber so that it is the house as well as its timber and its stones. It, in other words, it's going to entirely engulf the, uh, the house of the person who has stolen and who has sworn falsely by God's name. And so there's this intense picture of the law of God taking uh, and essentially eliminating the people who have, uh, who have defiled God's law. And so God is the one who will bring forth the judgment of his law. And it's, it's going to be a swift and clear and effective judgment on people who work evil. And so this is the whole of the message. This is the whole of the vision. We don't get a lot to work with, but we get some important stuff that there is a scroll, which is presumably the law of God, whether it's just the Ten Commandments or the whole of um, all of the law. Um, I'm going to say that it represents just the Ten Commandments um, because the Ten Commandments summarize the whole law. So um, 
anyways, there there's this scroll and it it's not the law doesn't just show us how to live morally, um, but it also brings judgment and condemns us of our own unrighteousness. And so there's a couple of things that are important to make note of, of like, uh, or kind of think about, um, like with the message of the, of this vision. First of all, it's that sin is destructive. Um, sin is not something that just goes unpunished. It's something that God will deal with. Even if, even if it seems like, uh, he, is just allowing wickedness to run rampant, especially right now, like this season that we've been in for a long time feels like God is just letting sin continue endlessly, but he won't let it continue endlessly. This is a message specifically to people who have been in exile, who have felt the full, well, I wouldn't say the full wrath of God, but they felt the intense wrath of God, um, poured out on them for 70 years. They're finally rebuilding the temple. And so God is giving them hope that the the new Jerusalem or the, the new kingdom of Judah, the new Jerusalem that they are building physically won't contain evildoers. And obviously um, this is a picture of the heavenly new creation and new Jerusalem that Jesus will inaugurate when he returns. Uh, and we get a f- clearer picture of this in revelation where all of the evildoers and those who, who hate Jesus are sent to hell, um, for eternity. And they're, uh, you know, so this is intimately tied with a specific type of eschatology, a specific, understanding that God will in his last day, when he, when he returns, uh, when Jesus returns, there will be a purging of evil, a purging of wickedness. And that's the, the second point that, that God does purge wickedness from his people. And this is similar to the second vision. So I, I mentioned earlier that this is starting, like these messages or these visions parallel previous visions. And so this is a parallel to the second vision in that uh, the second vision had to do with four horns and then four, uh, oh, I'm blinking on, uh, like blacksmiths. And they, the blacksmiths would destroy the horns. And these horns had represented wicked nations who had oppressed Israel. And so the message of that is that sin doesn't go unpunished. And so we're seeing again, sin does not go unpunished. There is a purging from among God's people that we have hope in. Um, and uh, the last thing is that the law shows us our guilt. So as this uh, law, this scroll is flying around in the sky, it's just just a glimpse at it is we see the third and the eighth commandment um, being focused in on um, where those who are guilty of breaking just those two commandments will be destroyed. But we know that um, if you've broken one commandment, you've broken the whole of God's law. And so the, as 
Calvin put it, the first use of the law is because Calvin uh, talked about the three uses of the law. And so the first use was to show us our guilt. It was a mirror. And so um, this is a reminder that the law does show us our guilt and that we do need a savior. Um, it's not just to point a finger a finger at the people who have you know sworn falsely by God's name or who have stolen, but to remind us that we have broken all of God's law and we deserve the punishment coming towards us, and we are the ones who deeply need a savior. And so that's how it points us toward Jesus. It's such a, a beautiful and hopeful message that one day all of the wickedness that we face currently will be purged. It will be taken away. And so um, with that short little message, um, this is probably one of the shortest episodes we've had, but um, I hope that it's it reminds us of the rich mercy of God and uh, also the powerful justice that he has, that he, um, we can look forward with excitement that sin will be destroyed. So, with all that being said, until next time, read your Bible, bro. Thanks for listening to this episode of Christ in Context. If you enjoyed the episode, give us a rating and a review through Apple Podcasts or whatever streaming app you use to listen. And subscribe to be notified when new content is posted. You can find us on social media on Facebook and Instagram at Christ in Context Pod and Twitter at CNC Podcast. If you have a question that you would like to hear answered on the show, reach out on social media or email us at ChristInContextPod at gmail.com. We are proud members of the Society of Reformed Podcasters and Doctrinal Discipleship. For other edifying material, check out ReformPodcasts.com and Doctrinal Discipleship either on Facebook or DoctrinalDiscipleship.com.